You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. Richard. And we are fans and players of Overwatch. And so we thought, what better way to show that by talking about it and sharing it with the world? Yeah, sharing our excitement and joy every week. Uh, probably not every week, let's be honest. Well, we can try. We can try. Yeah, we can always try. Um, but sharing our interest in the game itself, in Overwatch League, and a lot of the kind of aspects around that and surrounding that game. Yeah, because the biggest thing for us is that we are we're gamers, mm-hmm. and we've been playing games our whole lives you know I've been playing video games for 25 years uh, I'm sure you're about the same yeah Rich. absolutely one of my oldest memories is of uh, sneaking my sister's Game Boy away so I could play Mario <laughs> and that's the thing and I remember having a Nintendo Entertainment System but without Duck Hunt mm. and I was devastated that people had Duck Hunt and I didn't so I don't know why because you look back and it was terrible right but it's like I didn't have it. classic though <laughs> yes you're right yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and so the biggest thing is I think that uh, Overwatch is a game. It has a huge community mm-hmm. and a huge, uh, just a sense of uh, following and kind of uh, camaraderie almost, people who know Definitely. the game. And I think it makes it ripe to, to talk about because people are, are playing it, they're cosplaying it, people are playing it professionally now. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things. And when you boil down to the, the heart of it, it's a team-based first-person shooter. Like, exactly. That's it. And there are thousands of them. So what makes this one special? Hmm. I think it's the connection that people have. There's a cast of 27 heroes now. People love that connection that they feel to a certain character, to a certain location in the game, in a certain map, whatever it might be. And to the other people that they play it with, you know, to a lot of people it feels like a, uh, a way to express themselves, maybe, in that sense. They feel or they see a trait in a character that they like, and they see some of themselves inside that. And that's really, really unique to, uh, to Overwatch. You don't really see that in lots of games. You get that very, very stark archetypal hero, uh, usually a, a white guy with the gun in this we have a lot of different heroes that people can see themselves in that was the biggest thing i think when i started playing it because i've i've always been a fan of the first person shooter game and they've always got um yeah generally it's you're a soldier in something whatever that happens to be Uh, and in this game it's something where you've got you've got characters of different uh uh, genders and races and Mm -hmm. some are robots and some are you know it's that kind of thing where you've got such a a varied mix and you've got representation for countries all over the world and you've got different languages and you've got different sexualities even Mm -hmm. and all kinds of other things so you're right someone can find something to identify with because right before playing overwatch i was playing uh, battlefront 2 Mm -hmm. which is in itself is a great shooter game and i'm a huge star wars fan so it doubled trouble um but in that, you are, you know, you, you customize your character, you customize uh, abilities and skills and those kind of things, and you wind up with a very imbalanced, kind of faceless game after a while. Mm. And then you come to a game like Overwatch, where everything is particularly well balanced, I think. Yeah. And you can pick something uh, just totally crazy. Like you can be a, you can be a, a an android monk, or you can be, <laughs> uh, you know, you can be a, a, a defense robot. Um, with an African accent or you can be a giant genetically engineered gorilla like it's mad 
And I admit, that's probably part of the reason why I didn't start playing it when it first came out. Yeah. So when did you start playing? Did you start playing at the beginning? Yeah, no, no. Uh, I started playing maybe a year in, year or so in. Um, it was actually after going to a convention. You know, I'd always thought of conventions as being these things that happen somewhere else, that happen in America uh, mainly, and didn't really realize that there's actually conventions in this country, which sounds silly now, but not really seeing that much. And actually, there's one that happens fairly close by to where I live. So going to that for the first kind of time, you see all these different people cosplaying as all these different characters, and started to recognize a couple of them as being from, from Overwatch, but never really having seen much of it or, or played much of it. And the first time that we kind of really went, wow, I, I need to look into this, was actually at the masquerade that's kind of the cosplay event that they have at the end of the day and this this young woman came on and, and was in this amazing mercy costume real you know nailed the the look of the character and came on into this humorous kind of skit it was quite funny it was uh, about mercy being sick or being annoyed and frustrated at people asking for healing and never saying thank you you know, got that thank you button but nobody's using it and it's you know it, it's a voiceover that she'd pre-recorded and the best bit was that right as she's getting really annoyed her staff starts ringing just like it's a phone and it's an, an agent from Blizzard PR informing her that she's still under contract and has to do a job. And actually, the, the uh, laughter and the, the uh, love of this game, the engagement that you could feel from this audience of you know a couple of hundred people who knew who that character was, who knew why that was funny, and who really wanted to just kind of... Uh, acknowledge that they got this and that they loved this thing that made me go right yeah I need to look into this more than just kind of seeing it online as I'm scrolling through and then that's what got me to get the game yeah and it's, I, I heard about it when it first came out and I mm. saw it I think that the first thing that, that put me off was the art style which is weird because now it's something that I absolutely love. Yeah, but I think it's iconic. Be, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think I, I started off by thinking that I was a fan of these sort of hyper realistic shooters. Yeah, or in, in hyper realistic in their genre. So, for instance, with Battlefront Two or any of the Call of Duty or, or Battlefield games, like yeah. I wanted as as close to that as possible. And I saw this game, which would look like you know cartoony kind of manga like, all a bit you know, all a bit mad, really. Yeah. And I thought, mm, okay, I'm not sure I'm really into that. And it wasn't until, I guess, probably the, the game had already been out for, I don't know, a year, year and a half, yeah. before I actually thought to myself, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll try it. Um, and then immediately I'm thrown into this, this game that has this huge, active fan base and this huge, like, this huge community of people who do that, who will cosplay it and who will uh, identify with it. And, like, and the game itself is just so much fun. Yeah. And it feels so weird that I was so, like... Um, I was just so standoffish almost yeah. that I didn't want to try this game because it was it, it was so unique, mm. which is weird because what we should be wanting is games that are more unique. Well, absolutely. Very it's odd. A game that has a, a, a viewpoint and a standpoint and expresses itself and says, this is, this is what we are. And that community is so vocal. But it's a really, really interesting one because I think a lot of it is quite opaque to people. Unless you're in that community, you don't necessarily know what's happening. You hear terms, which I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast, things like dive, comp, meta, these kind of words. Yeah. And unless you've been playing, you don't know what those are. So that community, while it is very, very vocal and engaged and passionate and willing to share with people, it's maybe not necessarily something that is easy to approach at first unless you have a reason to get involved with it. Yeah, and because it's very much a team game, mm. you kind of have to play that way. And you kind of have to understand those principles to play it well. I mean, anybody can pick it up and play it. It's, it's, a, it's a shooter game on a console, PC, yeah. whatever. It's very much a you-can-just-have-a-go. Very accessible. But, yeah, if you don't understand it, though, it's hard to be successful because it is one of those first games where you're on a team and that actually will dictate win or loss. Like, yeah. it is a kind of thing where y you can just have fun with it, but if you're just looking out for yourself and trying to have fun, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. And it's, it's not as much fun to lose every game, right? So understanding those concepts and getting an idea of what they mean, in most games, they don't have those kind of things. They don't Absolutely. have... You know, you may play uh, a shooter where you've got support, assault, medic, and engineer, which mm -hmm. is the, the default for most games. Yeah. 
and you could have you know half a dozen medics and you'd be fine or Absolutely. half a dozen engineers you'd be fine. it works you can just do that yeah. whereas Overwatch is a game very much that it doesn't work if you all try and play one hero type and it's, you just you just can't win like that and it's I think a credit to Blizzard that they've built it in such a way that you need to have that kind of um, that kind of compromise mm-hmm. amongst your team so you can't all just play the same hero yeah. because you'll just you'll just lose That's absolutely no I mean something that stood out to me was that you mentioned there that Battlefront 2 was your previous game and my kind of I think the main game I was playing in terms of this kind of category first person shooter not you know an RPG or something else which I also love but the kind of the last first person shooter I was playing was actually still probably Battlefield 1 and you know that hyper realistic World War One, um, incredibly yeah. graphic, almost yeah, too much definitely. in certain in certain ways. But in that role, if I look at what you've just said there, yes, you've got you know the the kind of the assault class, the engineer class, this kind of thing, the medic. But all of them fundamentally pick up a gun. Yeah. Every single one of them starts with a rifle or an assault rifle and walks forward towards the enemy in the hope of shooting them down and killing them. And what's so good about Overwatch is that it is, it, it's the opposite of that in some ways. They almost poke fun at this in a way. You've got a character literally called Soldier 76. I can't think of a more faceless name than that. Yeah. Now, we know, you know, <laughs> Commander Morrison and all that kind of stuff. We, we know a bit of the backstory behind it now. But if you have a literally soldier and a number, that's the most faceless. Almost, you know, tip in the hat, giving a little wink, saying most of the games are like this. Yeah. But then you have a Swiss medic that looks like an angel whose sole job pretty much is to heal. That's phenomenal. You have characters who have these completely different abilities that have nothing necessarily to do with killing somebody. They're actually just to support people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's it. I think that it, it adapts itself to different play styles mm. is one of the big things. So, And you're right. Soldier 76, is, it's, it's funny because that's the character you get first in the tutorial yeah. because the, they know that that's the character you're going to be most familiar with. Absolutely. Because he's a character who can run around, he can heal himself, and he's got a rapid-fire weapon. Yeah. Simple as that. And it's, it's clever the way they do that, because I remember trying out the first time, going, oh, this guy's fun to play. And then the moment I got into the game, I was presented with these crazy options of completely different things, <laughs> and then immediately fell for a completely different hero as the hero that I play most of all. And that was just, yeah, it, it's, it's that, here's what you can play if you're used to shooters, yeah. but then here's the rest. Mm-hmm. And it means that if you are someone who likes to play a character who doesn't have a combat focus mm-hmm. that you can still have a very successful game Absolutely. and a really enjoyable game just you know just playing the healer or just playing this some kind of support character yeah. um, just playing the guy who carries a giant shield you know exactly it almost means more too you know when you you try out a different hero somebody like a Reinhardt with a shield or like a Mercy or you know any of the other great heroes you try them out having not really tried them before and you have that great game you know you move towards point A or point B holding that shield and knowing that you're keeping everybody else safe that can almost be more fun than getting that pick on somebody from across the map that can almost be more enjoyable there yeah I think that I was talking to uh, Steve from the Nerd podcast, mm. and his first experience playing Overwatch was he didn't know what he was doing, so we told him to play Mercy, yeah. because then he could be a healer. And he, he, he used an analogy, which it always brings a chuckle, which was he felt that it was the equivalent of being stuck in goal if you're yeah. playing football and you don't know what you're doing. He's like, just stand there and just, just, just do that thing. Yeah. Um, and I said to him, yeah, but you were good at that. And he's like, yeah, but that's the thing. You're good in goal, so you should keep playing that. And I'm like, no, no, no. But that's the thing. It's, it's, there are characters that you can pick up, and you can just play. 
Yeah. And you can be good at that, even if you don't quite know what you're doing. I mean, I, I must confess that the first time, well, the first few times I played, I probably didn't use half the abilities that characters had sure. because I didn't even realize they were there or what they <laughs> did. Um, and that's it lets you find that out because it, you know, at the absolute basic, you've got a character who can probably shoot at things or perhaps can heal or shield things. Yeah. But there's so much more around it. Yeah. Yeah. And on, on that vein, so if we take a look, that's a little bit about ourselves then and a little bit about kind of our viewpoint on the game or introductions to the game. How about we move on now to what, what is the hero that you main or the hero that you use the most, the one that you love the most in terms of actually playing? And then maybe some of the heroes that we're less confident in. I think that's always a fun thing to explore. Yeah. Well, the, the first one I fell for uh, was D.Va. And it was because D.Va had a giant mech and it was just such a crazy idea that I saw this hero and I thought, okay, so you've got this young Korean professional gamer girl yep. who happens to drive a mech for the Korean army. Yep. And that's just, that's just okay. That's just a thing that that's happens. That's a thing that exists in this world. Yeah. And you can get into that character and you've got a giant, you've got a tank class who's got loads of health, you've got a shield, you've got missiles, you've got all... It just, it's kind of... I like the idea of being that hero that can take all the damage and yep. also just keep fishing it out. Absolutely. Um, and it's just such a... Uh, it's just such an unusual hero. I mean, I, I had uh, played Titanfall mm-hmm. before this. Uh, Titanfall 2, yeah. Fantastic game. And in that, you're in a giant robot. Yeah. So there's a parallel. But it's, that was nowhere near as fun no. as playing D.Va in an Overwatch game. Yeah. Even though the concept's kind of similar, <laughs> but not. Um, but playing that hero meant that you, know, you can just run in there, you can fly around the map if you want to, yeah. you can be a complete bullet sponge, or uh, you, know, you can attack the point, or, or whatever. And it's very, very versatile. And it's the, it's the kind of hero that you see in pretty much any team setup. Mm-hmm. There's it's generally always going to be a diva. Yeah. Um, and if I have my way, I make sure that's me. <laughs> Absolutely. She's, she's incredibly popular right now. And actually, you know, we're very, very similar on this. Diva is really the first hero that I understood how to play and just loved playing and enjoyed playing. And, you know, you talk to somebody about Overwatch or you introduce them to it, and I would go on this, this crazy long tangent about how great Diva was and then show them a picture. And it's like, oh, that's a giant bubblegum pink robot. And that's one of the fantastic things, you know. We, we can talk about our abilities and so on, but to, to pick up on that point for a moment, this is something, as we've kind of alluded to before, that you just don't see in a video game. It's a 14-year-old girl who is a, I think 14, who is a professional gamer for the Korean army. Yeah. That, that story doesn't exist anywhere else, no. and it's crazy. And this thing of, you know, in Titanfall, fantastic game, but again, at the end of the day, you're a generic male soldier in a gray uniform, and you get into a generic gray Titan, a generic gray mech, and this thing of... Uh, this giant bubblegum pink mech, these brilliant voice lines, as though it is still a game, even though people are dying, potentially yeah. left, right, and center. Yeah, exactly. These hilarious voice lines, and this uh, not reverence for, you know, they can poke fun at, but this celebration of gamer culture. She tosses out lines like GG or uh, time, to time to raise my APM, APM from StarCraft yeah. and so yeah. on. This great enjoyment AFK. of it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. All these little kind of quotes and references. One of my favorite things to do uh, with D.Va outside of kind of the actual gameplay is while we're waiting for the, for the door to open, we're in the still, still in the spawn, waiting to get out at that point, is to use one of her emotes. And this emote involves the mech kind of sitting down cross-legged while she's inside the actual mech itself. And the mech projects a video game screen that looks a lot yeah. like Space Invasion or another yeah. game but it's all branded with like APM and it's clearly in that universe the, the attention's detail is fantastic it's clearly a game that's been made that she's had some involvement in it's all branded as Diva and she sat there drinking a Red Bull snacking on some Doritos and playing this this game while waiting for to, to go into battle that's crazy I love that yeah yeah you're right and it, it is there, there is that level of detail which is 
you, you just don't see it a lot of the time. No. And you, you might see some customizability, or you might see those kind of things, which is still here in this game. But you don't have those little touches. You know, there's one of the maps that I really enjoy playing, Hollywood. Mm. And when you're in the in the, the attacker's spawn, ready to, to go at the very beginning of the game, one of the film posters features that character, Hannah yep. Song. She's in the movie, in this world. Yep in her costume as a character you're like that's just that's a, such a weird kind of the way it's all put together yeah. is such a really like self-referential but not in a way that is heavy-handed in a way that's very very subtle and I really like that and that so character especially it builds a sense of uh, I know this sounds crazy when we're talking about such a, a fictional world but to build a real sense of realism um, you know in that world if you had this force for good that were these heroes of course they would be celebrities of course they would be in films of course they would be almost their own media empire there they would be involved in everything and it's also a nice easter egg for fans the first time i noticed that movie poster on hollywood i kind of went i see what you did there and i like this and i paid attention to it spent a minute or so looking at it just kind of going oh cool trying to figure out all the different bits and i now look in every map when blizzard world came out out junker town you look for all these little details just to get more you wind up exploring a map which is something that's pretty unheard of for shooter games like in a shooter (laughs) game the idea is where's the enemy how can i get to the enemy the fastest it's not often a case of well can i look around the spawn point and look out for these little things that you can find yeah you know uh watchpoint gibraltar is another one like you're looking around their headquarters you know and you can see little things that stand out that you will then recognize for yeah. later. Winston's so notes cool. on the whiteboard. Yeah. You, know, you can shoot the whiteboard and make it spin, but you can also read the notes that he's written there. Yeah. On Hanamura, the, just <laughs> the joy again of people kind of flying around destroying all the vending machines and the Pachumari, that are the little kind of turnip figures that are actually embedded in there in the grab handle stuff. Yeah. All these little references and so on that make it feel real. So on that then, so obviously Diva's who we main. Mm-hmm. Um, what about characters that you, we don't play? What, who don't you play? Yeah. So I tend to, obviously, as we said, main diva. Uh, I'm also partial to drunk rap um, mm. on defense and so on. I try at Tracer and Sombra. Um, <laughs> and obviously kind of fall back to maybe Mercy and so on for, for uh, healing and so on. Um, but in terms of who I don't play, I, one of the things I want to stress is I don't think that there's a single hero in the game who isn't interesting or exciting in terms of the story and the character behind them and in terms of when you see them played well and the one that stands out for me on that is Zen it's Zen Yata yeah. this concept of this incredible uh, incredibly well designed robot uh, who is also a kind of Buddhist monk almost and the whole story behind that you see that in this short involving Widow and Tracer and the potential assassination of a, of a similar kind of character that design and that concept is phenomenal and when we see kind of professional games being played you see people using this support healer and kind of the guy that guides the attack you see them using them and and hitting targets and getting picks and it's just mind-blowing to watch yeah. i myself cannot do that <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah i think that there are the, the, the characters themselves there's such a variation and there, there is something for everyone I think one of the heroes that I would love to be able to play would be Farah, oh, yeah. and that's because she combines two of my favorite things, which is flying and splash damage. Right? Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm also a big Junkrat fan because I like to be able to throw grenades at things. Absolutely. But with Farah, you've got targeted missiles. It's a great ability, um, and I just cannot do it. Like I've tried on a few occasions, and I just cannot work out how you can fly, how you can aim, how you can. T- I, I just can't do it. And I think yeah. that yeah, seeing professionals do it, and I think seeing some of the ones for the teams that, that we support especially mm. being able to shoot 
other people out of the sky yep. with a rod. I'm like, how? I can't even get off the ground. How are you doing these things? It's crazy. Clear skies ahead. It definitely is. And, you know, there was a, there was a great comment by somebody, by, by one of the commentators, or one of the, the people that, you know, uh, discusses the professional games in detail that explained that verticality, you know, how much height do you have? Where are you? Verticality can be a massive, massive advantage in a game of Overwatch. Mm. People don't expect things to come from the sky unless they know a farrer is there. Yeah. So almost that kind of sneak farrer, that kind of, you know, in the beginning of the round when they're not sure what the, uh, the enemy team is playing, having a farrer there could be amazingly handy. But it's almost this different level of coordination that's needed because you're not just thinking in almost 2D or kind of what's in front of you, what's behind you, it's what's above. And the travel time on the rockets as well. You know, you've got people that can time a shot as they're moving, as an enemy is moving, as the rocket's moving, and still hit somebody and either knock them off the map or, you know, get a final blow by doing that. And that's yeah. a, it's a different level of skill. Yeah. Well, that was, I was watching, and I, we'll, we'll come on to the league in more detail yeah, uh, a little bit later, but I was watching um, my, my personal favorite team, which is the Philadelphia Fusion. Be <laughs> dumb tonight, let's go. Um, I'm watching the player EQO when yeah. he was new into the team and no one knew kind of what to expect from him Incredible because they knew player. he was good but he's you know very young as most of them are Absolutely. Uh, and he came in and he had some play on uh, I think it may have been Ilios possibly yeah. and he came in as Farah and was just out of this world and, and but, you know before that you had Shadowburn and Shadowburn was Exceptional, it, it just an incredible. And the idea that watch. you could bring another player on who had this, you know, the same level of skill like that yeah. was just unbelievable. And I look at it and think, I can't even make that player, that character, jump. And these <laughs> players are nailing shots that I couldn't even dream of. Yeah. Unbelievable. Exactly. And that level of consistency, you kind of wonder with some of these people that like you said they are incredibly young. This is the inaugural season. This is the first season that they're doing, and you kind of wonder how high the bar can go. And so far, I don't think we've seen that bar stop every player that comes in, every uh, change to the team or the change to the roster, people just seem to keep escalating it. Yeah. Um, I know for myself, I follow the San Francisco Shock. You know, they, they didn't do so well in, in stage one or stage two, but they've, they've picked it up in stage three. Um, I see some of those players. I see Sinatra play uh, on the Tracer. I see Sabiobi play for New York, for NYXL. He's just too good. Though. It is just something else. And again, every single time a new player comes in and you, you hear a story, you hear somebody go, oh, this person's the best Tracer or this person's the best Fire or whatever it might be. And you go, okay. And then somebody else comes in and they're even better. And it's just unbelievable to watch. And there is that aspect of it being a team game. It is the players around them. But when you see these just standout individual performances, you wonder how much better somebody can realistically be. Yeah. And you're right. I think that something you've, you've said to me on, on other occasions is about that being able to track how good these people can be. Definitely. And it's something that this game is... It is phenomenal for, for stats. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's I'm going to borrow a quote from somebody else. Um, I wish I could remember who said it first, but they they talked about maybe in kind of traditional sports, particularly baseball. They were talking about uh, there are there are two types of fans. There are two types of people. There's people that love the stats, and there's people that love the stories. And these are you know the stories behind the teams, and you know the underdog kind of story, or the, the team that just keeps on winning, whatever it might be, versus the stats, almost in that baseball kind of moneyball esque fashion of tracking every detail. And this is something that we don't really see in anything else. Overwatch can actually give you both. Overwatch can give you the stats down to an individual point of damage or an individual point of healing uh, per ten minutes, per second, per map, whatever it might be. We know that on a certain map and a certain team, they might be undefeated on that map or they might be undefeated on that map if they run these three characters. We can get an unprecedented level of stats from this game, but also we get these amazing stories that we hear. We get these fantastic players that really stand out. We get tales of redemption for a team, of a team that's maybe struggled, or of a player that struggled even, as they rotate the cast out. And that's not something that exists in traditional sports. 
Yeah, and I think that, yeah, there's the ability to be able to go in and get all of the all of this information. You know, and as you've rightly said before, it's all in a computer. You know, yeah. it's a game played on a computer, and therefore everything in that is tracked. And if you want it, it's there. And if you're just a casual fan who wants to watch the game, yeah. then you can do that. Or if you're someone who wants to pour over the detail, you can do that. Absolutely. You know, it was things like uh, again going back to Philly, because why wouldn't I? Um, you know, there was the the, the player Snillo, who mm. they had on the roster. He wasn't 18 yet. He couldn't play. Yep. The moment he hit 18, bam, he was in the next game. And then yeah. suddenly, he's this exceptional player. Like already up in the leagues of these other established players Absolutely. who by that point had already played a couple of stages, so yep. you know perhaps 15, 20 games each, yep. and they suddenly you've got someone who's as good as them, and you've got immediately you've got the stats to compare that with and see yep. is he as good, and it's not a case of oh I think he is as you would get with other games or yep. other sports. This is categorically I can see that his stats are as good as that person's, Absolutely. and I can see that immediately or in real time even as the games are played. There was a fantastic use of these stats that somebody in the community pulled out, and I saw this shared on Reddit and a few other places. In this stage, uh, I think it was this stage, yeah, in stage three, we saw the first female player in Overwatch League, Gaguri for the Shanghai Dragons. Fantastic, fantastic player. And as with anything, you know, the, the initial stages were all male players all on these teams yeah. and thankfully this being a new sport there was none of this kind of ridiculous discussion of how do kind of women compare to male players and so on but somebody had pulled out these stats and it was really really fantastic to see because it really just drove that point home if there was any doubt in anybody's mind which there should not have been but if there was it really really drove that home it showed one of the top players on the other team versus Gaguri the same map the same hero the same you know attack rounds and so on and there is a single point of difference for reference, we're talking about a four-digit four kind of number here. We're talking about 4,000 and something, and there's a single point of damage. Yeah. It really drives that point home. There is, this is something that we can say, you know, if we want to compare two people, we can do, uh, and we get those exact results. Yeah, and it's a sport for everyone. Yeah. Well, everyone, if you've got great hand-eye coordination and fast wrists. But, like, <laughs> it's, it is something where, and this is why I think of it, I think of it very much as a sport, yeah. you know, and it's, a, it's because it requires players of a certain skill set mm-hmm. that you yourself could do, yeah. but these people that do it at such a high level, you know, for instance, I could go out and play a game of football. Yeah. I would not be very good, <laughs> but I either. could do it, right? Yeah, you've got people who are getting paid huge sums of money to do it yeah. professionally because they are so good at it and they train to it and they practice hard and they, and they make sure they work at it. Hours this and hours is, a day. And this is no different. You've got people who are avid gamers who have been playing these games for years perhaps already or in this case a couple of years you know who who know tactics for the games yep. they know tactics for the, the heroes for the maps and they can put that into practice in a way that i can play the game but i cannot play to that level exactly. perhaps i could if i played it really hard and trained in the same way that perhaps i could be a good footballer if mm. i trained i mean not with my my build but I'm not built for football. Um, I'm definitely more built for video games. Um, but the thing is, you, you've got that, that ability where you could train for that. Yeah. And then you've got a sport which doesn't require physical attributes. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be big, you can be small, you can be male, you can be female. It doesn't matter. Yep. And I think that seeing Gaguri come into the, the league was, it was a, a watershed moment. Definitely. Because you had, uh, you had the, the 12 teams in the league now. Yep. 12 teams, all with male rosters. Yep. And then halfway through the first season, you get this female player who comes in, and she is as good as the best players of her class. Definitely. And that's brilliant. And I think that's going to hopefully open the door for more players um, and, and to make it, I want to see it, a more diverse game. Because that's what the heroes represent. They represent this diverse band of... And if you have a, a, a player pool 
that's equally as diverse, then that's something that's going to be a little bit inspiring. And it means people are going to look at it as a sport and they're going to treat it seriously like a sport because why wouldn't you, you know? People look at it and go, it's video games. Sure, it's video games. This is a video game that is a career for this person and it's a, it's a set of skills that they learn and they develop and they hone. So, and it gives that kind of entertainment where if you are someone who wants to watch stats, you've got a game for that. If you want to watch video games played, you've got a game. And if you want to play it yourself, it's, it's all there and it all comes together really nicely. Definitely. And I think, you know, one of the nice things to see, and it's something that we maybe talk on a, on a future episode of this, is that the, the accusation was, was leveled at the league saying there aren't any female players. That was commented upon and noted upon straight away. And to see the league kind of look to address this and look to address how you get... Uh, players in and how people kind of almost audition or try out how they actually get onto a team how to address that and to see a result so quickly going from like you say all male teams to, to having our first female player and I'm sure with contenders coming up we're going to have more of that as well that's great to see them change so quickly I think one of the nice things for me though versus a traditional sport is that even if I was more athletically built than I am I, I, as you say I'm definitely built more for video games um, even if I was I could go and play football but I would be playing in a park or in somebody's backyard, or whatever it might be. With Overwatch, I am, even though I am an amateur, I'm somebody that plays for fun rather than for, for kind of competitively. I am playing the same character on the same map with the same abilities. I do not have the same stadium, the same team jersey, and these same abilities as a professional football player or a professional baseball player, or whatever it might be. It's that leveling of the playing field and giving people that sense of engagement, people being able to do exactly what their favorite player did, what their star that they like did in that same hero on that same map. I go into a game, and if I play as Tracer, mm-hmm. I'm playing with a hero with the exact same skills and ability set as Sabiobi. Yep. And you can see the difference in quality between his play and my play. Yeah. Because he is someone who has trained and has practiced and has drilled that so hard he can play that hero like no one else. Yeah. Besides maybe Carpe from the Fusion, be Dungeonate. <laughs> but you know, you've got you've got that kind of direct comparison. You know, if you had me playing you know, let's say me playing baseball mm-hmm. versus a star baseball player, yeah. they're gonna have better equipment, they're gonna have better training, coaching yep. staff, better facilities, and that will eventually you know, that will make them a better player than me, regardless of, of physical condition. Absolutely. Yet you put me on a game with one of those players. I have the same stuff. I'm divided only by skill. Yeah. And not by what I'm using to play that exactly. character. You have those same tools at your disposal. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Um, and that makes it, a, I, I think it makes it a sport which is a bit more aspirational. Mm-hmm. Because if you wanted to be a professional in this game, you can do that yeah. if you practice and you work at it. It gives you a clear path. You know, I think this is, again, something to talk about in a future episode, but Blizzard has outlined a very, very clear path of how do you get to the professional level. If you look at any big sport uh, uh, in the States or here, it's very, very, very difficult. Maybe you start off when you are a child and you go through kind of a youth group and then into a semi-professional lens list. But you have to decide that that's what you want to do with your life when you're very, very young. And then you have to get exceptionally lucky, like winning the lottery lucky yeah. to end up in that group. Unless you, you know, your parents know somebody or whatever it might be. You need to go very, very, very hard from a very, very young age to get into that. This is something that people discover when they're 15, 16, something like that and then pick up a copy for their computer or for the, for the console, start playing, and then go, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then they move their way up the ladder, they get into the, you know, the, the top couple of hundred in their country, in their region, and then they're invited to, to, to do something like contenders. They're invited to go into these teams uh, and kind of play there. There's a much clearer route to being professional yeah. than in any other sport I've ever seen. 
and it's something that's new. Mm. You know, it's something where this game has only been out for a couple of years. Exactly. And you've already seen, and although the initial skill sets and the initial way that you play the game mm-hmm. in the in the sort of basic mechanic sense is the same as other games. Yeah. This game itself and its heroes and its maps have only been around for a couple of years and they've made That's lots awesome. of changes and lots of updates to keep that fresh in that time, which you don't always see from a lot of games of this type. No. Um, so it means that the people who are who are professionals now have only been playing for a couple of years. And really, if you're a good if you're a good PC shooter player Really, there's not much dividing you from these players who are sort of the world class. Definitely. And it makes it far more attainable because you're right. If I wanted to embark on a professional baseball career right now, I've kind of missed the boat. You know, I'm 33 <laughs> years old. There is no way I'm signing for a professional team yeah. because I've not been training for 15 years Precisely. or more. Whereas, I, in theory, and I'm not going to, but in case my wife's listening, um, <laughs> this is not a pipe dream of mine, yep. um, is, you know, I could get on a PC, mm-hmm. get on Overwatch, play it for a couple of years, and who knows, could be in a team in the future. Yeah. And that's, that just, I think that makes it more fun to watch because you can see yourself in that position, yeah. potentially, if that's the kind of thing you're interested in. Absolutely. And I think this is the this is the level of polish that we expect from Blizzard. This is something that no one else has really tried to do. Esports has been a thing for, for a while now, but never on this kind of scale. We've never seen really a developer of a game actually pick that up as something that they're going to run themselves. That game's only been out a couple of years, as you say. These players haven't been playing that game for a couple of years, even if they've got experience on other sides. But to build the league, to have all of this set up and running by year two of a game, that's something that's never been tried before and never been done. And everything's elevated because of that. I think we're only really engaged in this and only really discovered this because it came from the developer. If this had been kind of a grassroots movement of people just setting up an arena somewhere and playing, I don't think it would have gotten anywhere near this traction. Having those location-based teams makes a huge difference. Having these personalities, having professional commentators, this really elevates the level of a commentator. If you're watching traditional sports, a commentator's giving you their opinion. They can be wrong when they give you an opinion. Now, a commentator for Overwatch League, I'm sure they'd be the first to say that they are wrong sometimes, they get things wrong. But they can... Their role is elevated. Their role is to explain what's going on, not just in the minute, but in the highlights. The fact that they can put a camera at a different angle. In the physical world, if you didn't get the shot, if you didn't get the camera on that player, you missed that play, you missed that shot. Oh, yeah. That's why uh, you know you have these professional camera people. In a game of Overwatch, and Overwatch League, you can recam afterwards. We often yeah. see that happen. We see a play live, and then we see a highlight at the end of the round. And actually, they've recammed it from a different angle. And you get this amazing level of insight that the commentator then just explains what they did and what actually happened. You have these elevated roles. Having this kind of force coming directly from Blizzard, this also hopefully means that it's something that will continue. We're still in season one. We're still in this inaugural season. But this is something that we hope to see keep going for, for years to come. And by all accounts, it seems to be going very, very well for them. Yeah, because it's popular. Because it's... You're right. The idea that they've got their own arena. You know, they've got mm-hmm. a place that they have built physically as where you can go to watch it live. Yeah. And I think that the, the argument that's been leveled at me in the past when I've mentioned this is someone saying, why would you want to go live to watch a video game be played? When yeah, That's crazy. You can just play the game yourself. And I'm like, yes, I can. But A, I can't play to that level. So yeah. I'm not going to see a game like that. And B, to experience a game like that in amongst a crowd of people that get it yeah. is, is pretty exceptional. A few weeks ago, I was in New York and I managed to go to Waypoint Cafe, which mm-hmm. is the kind of the home of uh, the Five Deadly Venoms, the New York Excel sort of team fan club. Incredible. And they host the games live there, and they get everyone excited, and everyone's cheering. Uh, and although I'm a Philly fan, 
I, that night, I was damn sure I was an XL fan. Oh, absolutely. Because the, 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 the hype in the room and the fact that everyone was talking about the stats and the plays, just yeah. like they would with any other professional sport. Yeah. It got me so excited to watch it. So if I had the chance to go to the, the Blizzard Arena and I had the chance to see that in a crowd of people that also felt that way, it makes it, it elevates it to something very, very different. Yeah. And I think this, this really uh, addresses something. I, you know, I mentioned going to that convention last year in terms of getting into Overwatch, but it, it gave me a profound kind of realization that I would not had before. And I think this is one that resonates particularly with people who play video games or spend a lot of time on the internet who kind of that's their background that's their culture that's their community and it's the sense of the same way people like going to a to a traditional kind of sports game you know football or whatever it might be those people are used to feeling accepted they're used to fitting in you know you can go into any office in this country and speak to somebody about last night's football game and they'll know immediately what you're talking about they'll immediately know the players if you're somebody like you know uh, the two of us you're maybe not used to that there's not many rooms that I can go into and go oh hey guys did you see Overwatch last night and they would have known what that was previously people don't necessarily know what this is when I went to that convention the profound kind of sense that I got was this is a place that I fit in and this is also a room where people would understand me you know I, I joked with the person that I went with in most rooms less than 1% of people are going to get my humor or my jokes or my references 99% are going to wonder who the hell am I and what am I saying in that room, in that convention, 99% of people would have gotten my references, and you kind of flip that on its head. And this is the same with Overwatch League, but also going to, to the Blizzard Arena in LA. That entire room of people cares so deeply about the same thing that you do, and being there in person is infinitely different than leaving a comment on a website. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, that, I mean, I'm a big fan of the League. I, I, you know, the inaugural season as it is, uh, we're three quarters of the way through. Um, if you haven't yet watched the Stage 3 final, I won't spoil it, oh, but wow. it's a game you need to watch. Because it's ama- even if you've not watched it at all before, if you watch the, the Stage 3 final, yeah. then you are going to see a level of play that's hard to match. So definitely watch that one first if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the big thing about the game for me is it is something which anybody can play. It is something that anybody can enjoy. And I know that... Well, what I'm looking forward to do uh, with you on this podcast is going into those details about the meta, about the comp, about those kind of things. Because they are things that you might know a bit about by playing just through osmosis, just by people Mm -hmm. talking about it. it. And we are are not experts. We are players of the game. We are fans of the game. But having that insight of what those things can mean and what kind of differences they can have on your gameplay will be huge. And we'll definitely cover that in episodes that come on. I have got a question for you there, Rich. Sure. We've covered our favorite hero. Yeah. We've covered our probably least fit played hero. But who's the hero you want to get good with next? Who are you practicing? Who are you trying to get good with? Right at this moment in time, because it is so heavy in the matter, and we will cover that what that word means, um, and because I've seen a lot more of her being played, I want to get good at Sombra. I played a little bit. I enjoy playing Sombra. I love that, you know, throw a, a transponder down run into the fray um, you know hack a couple of health packs try and hack a try and hack someone in the opposing team and then being able to kind of dive back out that really really suits me it's very 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 different to diva very very different to other styles of play that i've tried before but yeah i, I want to try i want to try my hand at sombra how about you i think i want to be a dps player mm-hmm. i want to be <laughs> but i'm i'm really not uh, a, a character who i keep sort of dodging back to and then trying to come back is Tracer. And because Tracer is kind of the face of the game, I think it's a hero a lot of people have probably tried. But 
I'm not really that run and gun, low health kind of hero. Sure. I'm very much for getting in the fight, getting shot a lot, and finding my way out of it. Yeah. With that one, you don't really have the option. So I think Tracer is the one that I would like to get good at. Um, but probably I'm going to default to someone like Brigitte because she's very, very new and she's kind of a tank, but not yeah. quite. And I feel more comfortable. But yeah, I might give DPS yeah. a try. Brigitte's kind of been my ult at the moment. When I'm not playing D.Va, you can probably find me playing Brigitte. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I suppose really what we... I mean, I know we've, we've talked about it. But we should we should talk about a couple of the, the terms. Mm -hmm. I think we use them... We're going to use them a few times if yeah. we haven't already. Um, so let's let's just talk really, really quickly. Because again, like I said, we're not experts. We, we, know, we just know it from playing it, from knowing it. Yeah. But when we talk about the meta... Yeah. What do we mean? So the meta. Um, the meta is kind of the game within the game. Now, you'll hear a lot of people say very, very uh, passionate, sometimes um, maybe slightly aggressive things about the meta and why you should and shouldn't pick or play a certain hero. The meta really only comes into it when you get to the higher levels, if you're playing competitive, or more accurately, if you're, if you're playing League or aspiring to play League. But the meta is really, really useful to know about. The meta essentially comes down to which characters have recently received a buff or a nerf, which of them have been increased in their strength and in their abilities, which of them have been decreased for the sake of balance. The meta is looking at that balance and seeing the areas where it might still be slightly unbalanced. Blizzard's goal is to try and make everything perfectly neutral and balanced, so you can pick any of those 27 heroes and there not be an issue with one of them being too strong. The meta kind of twists that. It looks for creative ways of using this. So, uh, one example a little while back that we saw a lot of was Mercy. Mercy had this incredible thing where she got the ability to revive people and she could revive them, use her ultimate Valkyrie, and then revive another person immediately. If you're in a competitive game and you can revive two people and have these amazing abilities to heal the entire team at once, that's going to dominate the other team. There isn't really much you can do around that. Definitely. Now, Mercy received a nerf a little while back that tries to balance that a bit more. There's still discussion as to if that was enough. Um, I like Mercy. I don't want to change it too much, yeah. but, you know, that's a different topic. Um, but that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. We see it recently with Sombra and so on as well, decreasing the amount of time it takes for it to hack a player. This changes the way that people play things, and it can change in big ways or small ways the way teams use these characters. Yeah. But then I think that that's I think it's nice and, nice and succinct yeah it's a, and then the other one really we talk about a lot is is comp and I think yeah. that what's cool about that is it's just short for composition yeah right just in case simply what makes your team you know yeah. how many of each player do you have in your team and the composition really depends on kind of what your objective is but generally as a general rule you have a couple of tanks you have mm -hmm. a couple of attacking heroes or, or dps heroes and you have a couple of supports maybe or yeah. you know one healer support and perhaps a, a long range of sniper or something like that yeah. and that way you just balance your team in a way that's going to be most effective for whatever your objective happens to be. Exactly. Ultimately, people should be playing the heroes that, they're, that they want to play. This is a game for fun. I think sometimes people lose sight of that. But they should be playing the heroes that they enjoy playing, that they're good at playing. The idea, however, is that people should be able to play different heroes. You know, we don't want people to be what's called a one-trick, where they just play the same character every single time, particularly in competitive games, irrespective of the map, the mode, or the other players. Ideally, what we want people to do, or what Blizzard seems to want people to do, is to look at what other people in the team are playing and play characters that fit together. In other words, giving you the stronger composition, the stronger comp. Because if your characters can play together in, in certain ways, in certain situations, if you're on defense on a certain map and you know that this character is really, really good there, 
for example, if you love playing Widow, but you're on a map that doesn't have great sight lines or where she's not going to be as useful, maybe you play something else to strengthen that composition. And there's a few different compositions that we see being used a lot in the early days. It was triple tank, it was three tanks and some other people. More recently, for the last year or so, it's been dive. And dive is essentially, well, it's an interesting composition. Um, it, it's all about fast-moving targets, uh, fast-moving characters, people that can get in and dive behind the enemy team, essentially. Uh, characters that can increase people's mobility. Um, this kind of thing to help you get around behind people. That's one specific example of a, of a comp of a composition. But ultimately, it's just play what you like and try and think about how the character that you choose can impact the rest of the team. I'm a big fan of the dive comp. Big fan. <laughs> but that's because I like playing Diva, and more recently I've started playing Winston yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and your aspirations for Tracer as well. All three of those exactly, are classic Exactly. That's, that's where I live. I yep. live in the dive comp. <laughs> so that wraps up our first episode of Hammer Down, the Overwatch Players podcast. Uh, next time we will go into some more detail perhaps about our, our teams, obviously yep. for the league, because I really think if you're an Overwatch player, you should get into the league if you're not already, because it, it adds a whole extra layer to the game. Definitely. Uh, it definitely did for me, and it encouraged me to play, to sort of widen my hero pool just by watching other players. Stage 4 starting soon as well, so it's the great moment to jump on before the end of the season. You know, wanting to get into that, that whole fresh stage, all those new games, forget what's happened in the previous ones, we're moving forward. Yeah. So if you're out there and you've listened to this, thanks very much for your time. Uh, it'd be great to hear uh, any fans out there, your favorite heroes, your yeah. favorite teams. Uh, hashtag Philly Fusion, obviously. Um, uh, let us know, but we'll catch you again next time. On, uh, like we said before, I'm Dave. And I'm Richard. And we'll see you next time. See you soon.